Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Kitchen Club is kindly sponsored by Sweaty Betty, who make the best yoga clothes ever. Yoga has had a really positive impact on my relationship with my body, but wearing the right clothes is also key for a mindful practice. Let's face it, we've all been there in down dog. You know you should be focusing on your breath, but actually you're wondering if your pants are on show or you're fighting to keep your top from falling over your eyes. So true. The girls at Sweaty Betty have answered our prayers. Their all-female design team of yogis have created amazing quality clothes that look great, feel awesome, and allow you to move really freely. So if you're in need of a little push to get on the yoga mat, or just an excuse to invest in some quality clothes to move in, Sweaty Betty are very kindly giving Kitchen Club listeners a generous 20% off so you can practice in comfort and style. Simply enter the code KITCHENCLUB at the checkout online. And if you need a bit of inspo, Serena and I have both been living in the Garudasana pants, which are hands down the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. I literally can't take them off. Me neither. They need a wash. Don't forget to tag us in your sweaty Betty pics on Insta, at Kitchen Club Podcast. We bet you will all look wonderful. Thanks, sweaty Betty. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Club with your hosts, Sarah Malcolm and Serena Lauf. Kitchen Club is the podcast that brings you honest, topical conversations from our kitchen table with no boundaries. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise for us to dive into, and a new recipe based on our guest's three favourite ingredients. Before we record each podcast, we ask our guests to challenge us to their healthy habit, which is something that they use every day to enhance their well-being and mental health, which we then trial and test before we talk to them. In this episode, we're speaking to Brixton-based artist Venetia Berry. Venetia paints the female nude through an abstracted lens, removing age, race, shape and status from the picture. Her work aims to reverse the male gaze, challenging the archetypal sexualized female nude and celebrating bodies of all types. We recorded with Venetia at Serena's and her favorite ingredients that she gave us to cook were tomatoes, cannellini beans, which is quite um, abstract, capers, aubergine, artichoke and olives, so more than three. So if you want to know what we cooked for her, stay listening to find out. And you can also grab the recipe on our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. So here is the brilliant Venetia Berry on Kitchen Club. Welcome to Kitchen Club Podcast, Nisha. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks very much for dinner. We've yeah, we've just had the most delicious dinner. Hey, Venetia, can you remember your ingredients that you your fave ingredients you told your us? three favourite ingredients? I think I gave about seven. <laughs> uh, I say tomatoes, olives, capers, artichokes. Mm-hmm. Did I say? Yeah, sun-dried tomatoes as well. Obsessed with tomatoes, really, in general. Beans. Cannellini beans. Cannellini beans, black beans. beans. All the beans. All the beans. 
Well, Serena, you managed. So, you managed yeah. all of them, didn't you, in that? I think I did all of them. We had sun-dried tomato and cannellini bean hummus with some Miller's Harvest nutcrackers, some crudite, and some marinated artichokes. And then we had whole wheat pappardelle with roasted tomato and red onion sauce with mm. baked aubergine, toasted pine nuts, basil, and capers. It was delish. Thanks. It was delicious. I'm very full. I'm very full. Now we can chat with full bellies. Yeah. Venetia, talk us through your ingredients because I feel like you've chosen very Mediterranean stuff. Is and that we just okay. that you studied in Florence? Ooh, oh, interesting. So I gave up meat last October and I think I've just been kind of discovering a whole new range of foods to eat. Um, and I gave up dairy recently because I get bad eczema and that's kind of completely got rid of all my eczema so I've now from being a real cheese lover I've now had to kind of embrace other ingredients that replace it because I find vegan cheese is not very nice vegan cheese is crap it's not very nice um, I found a quite nice smoked vegan parmesan the other day. Ooh, from a, I actually love smoked cheese. I hate yeah. a smoked cheese. I think so, it tastes like Astro's. So in Borough Market, they now have a whole sustainability section where they have so... It's basically all vegan. They have a cheese area, soap. I think they have vegan jerky as well. Wow, um, I did not know that. And that's one of the only nice vegan cheeses. But in general, I've had to embrace other things like capers. I now just pour over everything. Mm. Um, Delicious. So I feel yeah. like capers are a good salty alternative to cheese. Exactly. Yeah. I've always said just this about that. pizzas. If you have a vegan pizza, mm. you have to go heavy on the antipasti, so olives, artichokes, capers, mm. and then you get the flavour. Mm. I thought you were going to say anchovies. Did I say anchovies? No, I thought you were going to say anchovies, and I, I was really, like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like in that list of things. <laughs> I love Not anchovies vegan. on a pizza, though, as well. Because you still eat fish? Yes. Fish and eggs, so not vegan. Fish and eggs, not vegan. Okay. But I try not to actually buy very much fish from the supermarket. But if I'm on holiday and there's a catch of the day, I just... And you're near the sea. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. Yeah. So your ingredients have nothing to do with your, your time in, in Florence, which... Um, I think my time in Florence, I literally lived off gelato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I had, had this amazing yogurt and Nutella gelato every day. Mm. Um, Nutella's my... No, well, hazelnut, actually. Hazelnut gelato mm. is my favourite flavour. What's it called? Pistachio or something. Is that that one? Yeah. See, I think yeah. one thing I'd break no dairy for would be pistachio gelato. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just yeah. too good. Um, I don't know where that's come from. I love all Mediterranean food. Like, I love olive oil and just that kind of mm. delicious. I think they've just got it so right. Mm. I said to Sarah before you came that it's funny, all your in, we were talking about all your ingredients being kind of Italian-y, and I said that you, I thought of you immediately because you gave us that amazing restaurant in Sicily when we went in Ortigia. Yes. Oh, my God. With, like, the deep-fried so artichoke good. hearts and... Mm. Yum. Epic. Gosh, it sounds delish. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good find. Anyway, healthy yeah. habits. Well, shall we mm. first, Venetia? We'd actually just love to learn a little bit more about you, oh. and then and then we'll get onto that. Oh, we're doing yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've just met. We have just so met. So you can tell me your life. I followed story. you a bit. I followed. I followed you a lot. <laughs> I've stalked you a lot. Um, but kind of tell us where what you're about. I mean. For anyone who doesn't know, who hasn't just listened to our intro on, on Venetia, tell us what you do and sort of your journey into it. Okay, so... That's too grand a question. So, to start kind of right at the beginning, um, well, not right at the beginning. Born in 1993. I could start right at the beginning. <laughs> I think I was... If I do want to start right at the beginning, I'd say... I wasn't always the person who wanted to be an artist. That wasn't that wasn't my kind of goal in life. I was a very imaginative child, very kind of obsessed with magic and all that kind of thing. Um, probably a bit of a weird kid. Um, <laughs> the best but, children are. And then I did art kind of GCSEs and A-levels all throughout school. But I got a place at Bristol to read politics, um... 
I wanted to go and do an art foundation course, but I was advised to get a degree, a proper degree to fall back on. And I don't know, I think think my mum and dad probably had seen some of my A-level and GCC work and were like, she hasn't got it. You're you're fine for our daughter, but, you know, you're probably not going to... Maybe, I don't know if I should say that. (laughs) Um, Which is fair enough. And then, so I had a place at Bristol, and then when I was 18, I went to Charles Cecil out in Florence. So I was there for a month, and that's really where my kind of passion ignited, and I realised that I did not want to go to Bristol and do politics. I just wanted to do art, and I met lots of people out there. Yeah. Eat gelato. Exactly. Um, I met lots of people out in Florence who were at Leeds School of Art in Edinburgh, and they all were raving about it. And so I came back, told my mum and dad, showed them some of my drawings, and I think they kind of were a bit more encouraging then. Mm-hmm. And so together we called up the school, the Leeds School of Art, and they had cancellation that day. <gasps> Which I always think is my kind of my guardian angel. Um, and then, so I sent some, they said, send some work in, and then they did a phone interview, which at the time I remember thinking throughout the interview, this is going so terribly. <laughs> and then he said, good news is you're in, the bad news is it starts on Monday. And this was a Thursday in August, and I hadn't planned, Bristol started in October, so I hadn't planned anything, had nowhere to live, stayed on my friend's floor for a couple of months, and then was up in Edinburgh for three years. We lived with our friend Tassie, which was fab. Um, And that school... So Florence was very traditionally taught. It's all the old master's technique of sight size where you have a weight at the end of a string. And so you basically place every part of the body so precisely onto the canvas. I've never heard of that. Very, very precise technique. And then in Edinburgh... They didn't really like the whole Charles Cecil thing because it can be sometimes frowned upon um, being so traditional, mm-hmm. almost a bit of a melting pot. Um, <laughs> but in Edinburgh, it was still traditional in the sense of we were painting and we were trying to create a likeness. So I was really interested in portraits. But I was on a painting course, so people were doing all sorts of things. But loads of art schools nowadays don't have any painting at all. Really? Like I, yeah, I hear stories of people asking their art school to buy easels because they don't have any easels because it's so conceptual so I was lucky to go somewhere that you know really appreciated painting Mm -hmm. because I think that's really what I love about art um and so I was there for three years concentrating on portraiture and then got a place at the Royal Drawing School in London where I was for a year doing um, a drawing intensive year so it's three days a week um you choose a different course each day and it kind of took everything back to the beginning where I just had a pencil on a piece of paper and I was doing life drawing drawing in the park etching um and etching is where my whole style that I now do started um because as I say, everything was quite traditional before mm-hmm. we were I was always trying to create a likeness especially having done portraiture trying to you know make it look like somebody which I think is why I went so far the other way because I found it quite frustrating Mm. um so during etching there was nothing in front of me we were all given a metal sheet to draw on and I had nothing to draw and I thought what what do I love drawing I love life drawing why don't I use my knowledge of the anatomy to draw some female nude figures um and they just got more and more abstract and I felt I was thinking much more about what the work would look like as opposed to who it would look like Mm -hmm. um I found that really freeing and it took me quite a while to realize why I was doing it I remember a teacher kind of saying you're it's great you're drawing all these abstracted woman but do you know why you're doing it and I didn't really think there was much I didn't really there must be a reason yeah sure can you tell us why well so I've never been a very body confident person and 
I have always really felt pressures to look a certain way and never, yeah, just never really been secure in myself. And so I wanted to paint the female nude in a way that just really celebrated the female form. And yeah, what I always, I always think about, I heard, I can't remember who, I heard someone say you should always talk about your body how you talk about your mum or your sisters or your friends. Mm -hmm. I was saying all of my friends, I would say, oh, you're, gorgeous you're amazing and your body is also the last thing I would think about when I think of you think of so many other things about their personality and things um and so I think it's so sad how we're so judged on our bodies yeah absolutely um and now my work has become way more about celebrating the female form um for every shape and size and that's why I also don't paint with a certain skin color to try and be all inclusive and reflect that every woman kind of relatable to all I was about to say I've read a lot about your work being like sizeless ageless um, not genderless uh raceless so that it is all inclusive yeah and that's a really nice way to look at it to think of your body as like to talk to yourself and your body in the way that you would talk to a friend so you'd never exactly. be like, oh, like, yeah, babe, size looking a mm. bit chunky. Mm. Yeah. I recently had a, had a thought about, so I'd been on holiday with my friends, my boyfriend, and I'd got back and I just was thinking about body image and sort of how we view others rather than ourselves. And you'd never go on holiday with your friends and think they look great or I mean maybe, maybe you would maybe go out and be like oh, you look stunning but you'd never remember the holiday based on how your friends mm. looked never you'd remember their energy their conversation the laughter you had the what you ate what you ate exactly <laughs> you the ate, memories yeah. you made you would never think oh yeah I went on holiday with them and they looked great or they looked horrible the whole time that's mm-hmm. just not something that or I always think you. if you were hit by a bus no one would think Oh, that that's the girl you need to lose half a stone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Shame. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. So why do we have to think about that for on ourselves? Mm. And we put so much stress on so much on stress. That. It just really depresses me the amount of wasted time thinking about yeah. our bodies and how we should look and because my last exhibition was called Stretch Marks. Yes, and that was really all about incredible. Yeah, all about embracing what is traditionally so criticised and airbrushed Mm -hmm. whereas actually stretch marks are kind of beautiful have you seen those photographs on Instagram yes they're kind of they almost look like landscapes these stretch mark bums and things and it's so great that that sort of mainstream clothing brands websites are using models with with stretch marks like things and things like and even ASOS are doing it now which is is great Um, I actually remember the first time I got stretch marks and I was about 14 got up got them on my bun um I was getting a mole removed I, I always reveal too much on this podcast I was getting a mole re- removed and my mum said to the dermatologist she was like can you just quickly have a look at Sarah's um stretch marks like why has she got them because my mum never got stretch marks really and I feel like Crazy. all of my friends got stretch marks at the same time so it was never like yeah, a, I think so I've I've never really looked at my stretch marks and felt embarrassed but my mum sort of did so I had a really bad stretch mark experience. Really? So I've got quite big boobs. Yeah. For those oh, who hey. can't see. 30 oh, yeah. um, oh, and <laughs> Tiny little waist. Yeah. Really? Um, <laughs> that is small. 30 around yeah, there. That is That's tiny. Yeah. Sorry, anyway. Um, and I just had the worst stretch marks. One of my friends described it as it looked like a tiger had clawed my boob. Because they were they weren't white, they were like bright purple. My mum was like, one day we might have to get plastic surgery. <gasps> I was like, oh God, no. How old this is very <laughs> um, I was probably twelve to fifteen. But I would make these concoctions. I'd have um, this really good I think it was a Lancôme. I oh, know it was an Estee Lauder cream that I mixed with bio oil and then mixed with this other like Clarins stretch mark oil. Slather it Like stir it around, just like slather, slather. Oh, did work. So it was a. a they're fine a now. Bunch. They're just white. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was a huge thing. I remember, like any bikini, it was just all over my boobs. Really? Yeah. Just because they grew I think too mine quickly. Mine are probably worse is... on my boobs than anywhere else. My boobs aren't even that big. 
It's just yeah. a stretching of the skin. Isn't it? Yeah. When you, I think it's when you grow very quickly. Yeah. Which is natural in <laughs> yeah. The only area I've grown quickly in. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and well, probably has a lot to do with birth control and contraception. Maybe. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Probably. Your, your um, exhibition names were something that we wanted to talk about because they oh. are, what's the word? Exciting yeah. and different and a little bit challenging to like... So you've had stretch marks. So my first ever exhibition was at Alex Eagle's studio. That was my first solo one. That was called Walking Lines, which is based on Paul Clay's saying, which is um, a drawing is a a drawing is a line going for a walk. Oh, which I, like I just that. love. I just yeah. love that. Um, and my next one was called Modern Bodies. That was also at Alex Eagle's studio. And, and that's what? from a Jenny Savile quote. Do you know Jenny yes. Savile? So I was actually love telling Serena this earlier. Oh, yeah. I did A-level art and um, sort of dropped it because I was in a relationship and, and art su- my art suffered. But I really enjoyed it. And I dropped it as... Um, what's the one you do first a two a s i dropped it on the second year but i knew that i if i didn't drop it i was gonna do my project on jenny savile because i just became obsessed with her mm. her stuff and yeah if you don't know her, she does these well you could probably talk more, more than me but they're just these amazing kind of they're just so these voluptuous women almost spilling out of the canvas yeah. and a lot of them are self-portraits and she actually put on quite a lot of weight for a whole series and she's drawn all into the skin and they're just so fleshy and delicious i've i've i don't know anyone who paints like her well it's beautiful it's yeah. like beautiful to look at so beautiful but your and legs huge, are all though. pretty voluptuous and they're all still very she's like very sexy fleshy. and sensual and mm. so i i mean i still i always will love her but i looked at her a lot more when i was doing portraits and mm. much more realistic work she has so fleshy, and you this can almost like squeeze. Ringing a bell. I think I know who you mean. Yeah, she's quite. You recognise American. Are some of them like a bit much because they're so yeah, yeah, almost she, grotesque. Is that mm. okay? I didn't want to and say grotesque, like angles, but I had that in my head. Yeah, angles yeah. from below as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's best angle. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. From so below. that was called how she looks. So, so no, that was called um, modern bodies. Right. So Jenny Savile said in a article that I've got in my studio, but it's from, like, 2012, I think. And she said, I want to be a painter of modern life, modern bodies. Mm. I thought modern bodies mm. had a nice ring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, yeah, stretch marks. So those are my three solo ones. How She Looks is an exhibition I did with Partnership Editions. Right. Um, that was an online exhibition. So Georgia, who runs that, named that. Nice. And how do your exhibitions... How do you sort of... C- create the work for them do you what's your sort of process I guess so I'm very much one work at a time I can't I can't just say this is what my next 20 paintings will be and have little drawings I remember when I was at Leith we were always encouraged to do a very small version of the painting and work like that and so I've tried that a few times so it just doesn't really work for me I need to go straight onto the canvas so I order all my canvases first because I know I like a, an off square and I really like that element of chance. There's a, um, a movement called Dadaism that was all based on chance and I like being able to incorporate a slight bit of that into my work. So I don't, I don't design the painting first and then order the canvas, you know, then make the canvas and then work onto it. It's very much an instinctive, yeah, instinctive way of working, I guess. Um, which is great, but sometimes can be a bit frustrating. I'm now planning an exhibition next April, but I don't really know what it's going to look like because I mean, it sounds really probably a bit woo-woo, but I mean, <laughs> I, like I, haven't, I haven't made the work yet, so yeah. I don't know what my next painting is going to look like. Yeah. So do you, you don't title the exhibition? You're title the exhibition first and then make art from... Exactly. The exactly. It's the other way around, mm. yeah. Sarah's been desperate that. to ask how long roughly each painting takes. Yeah. So each painting takes... It depends, really. About a week or a few days. Mm. When I... So 
at the moment, I'm trying to move from animal-based products into non-animal-based products. So the oil paint that, that I've been using... It takes about two days to dry, so then wow. it's a way more thoughtful process. It slows because, down the whole thing. Yeah, so you kind of have to take a step back, realize it's not going to dry for a couple of days, have a think about it. Whereas, and this is non-animal based. Oil. So this is um, a paint called Michael Harding. Well, a few of them have animal products in, not all of them. It's so weird because um, I never thought about animal products. It's in crazy, paint. honestly. So many things. So, so for example. I use something called Rabbit Skin Glue, which is a primer, which is horrendous. <laughs> Everyone's face is. I know. So yeah. I know. So that's what is a really real traditional way of working. Um, and okay, completely randomly, I met Tracy Emmon the other day in a cool. in a sunglasses shop. That's very and random. I know. Like, well, I didn't want. My sister said you've got to go and say something, but I didn't want to. And she said you've got to. Otherwise, I'm going to be embarrassing and introduce you so I got chatting to her and I asked her in her last exhibition whether she primed her canvases because they didn't look primed Mm -hmm. so when you prime rabbits and glue they can often have a shiny surface and reflect the light whereas hers didn't look primed and I thought that was her um an intentional thing an intentional thing because if you don't prime the canvas the paint eventually molds on the canvas and i thought that she might be doing that to trick the people who spend millions of pounds evil yeah well you know it's quite yeah crazy thing to do yeah instead she said no i use the vegetarian version of rabbits in glue and so that got me thinking oh i wonder how many of my materials can be replaced mm. even paper has animal products in it really yeah so it's just you'd be you'd be surprised there's much there's a smaller amount of things that don't have animal products wow. in. um so yeah now and i guess paintbrushes as well are yeah hair. i actually have always loved a cheap plastic paintbrush <laughs> so i'm good for that yeah but yeah <laughs> but most of them are hog hair um but yeah, I've never really liked that. I'd much prefer a smoother one. Um, so at the moment, I'm moving from rabbit skin glue to a PVA-based primer. And then I've just bought a whole load of acrylics by a company called Lasco, Lasco, um, that don't use any animal products either. And acrylic paint, this is also with the, by, from the advice of Tracy Emin. She said, what do you use at the moment? I said, oil paint. She said well, you use the king of paint at the moment, why don't you try the queen of paint, acrylic? You know, acrylic's had such a bad name for itself in the past that it's seen as a kiddie paint. I was going to say, it makes me think of three-year-olds. Exactly. But actually, you can get incredible quality paints now. Um, So I've been doing that. So those ones are... are, Yeah, they take less time because it dries so much quicker. So you're like, right, I can move on to the next thing. Um, But yeah, it depends really on the size... Yeah, I would say I'm quite a quick worker in general. When I paint portraits, that can take about 10 days. Wow. Yeah, because I was having a good old scroll of your Instagram and it has changed quite drastically. Mm. And that's only in the last sort of three years, right? I mean, the stuff that you were posting through... I mean, I did have a good... I was going to say three years ago. Yeah, I don't know. Was mostly portraits. Yeah. And etching, would you say? Or did um, etching sort of etching? So at the beginning, I don't know when I got Instagram. I think I was still in Edinburgh at was the time. Twenty sixteen. Thirteen forty three. That was weird. Did you say the same date? Why said the thirteen? Close enough. Ooh. That is weird. Um, yeah. So I think the beginning would be more portraits. And then I think mm. I kind of documented my whole year at the Royal Drawing School. But it's hugely right. changed. But I think. I always think when you go to an artist retrospective, so if you go to Picasso exhibition, they will probably show one or two works from when he was under 30. I think that's the real privilege of being an artist is that Mm. at the moment I'm 26 and that is so young as an artist. Most artists, you don't ever see their work when they're 26. Yeah, and you're already killing it and you're only 26. That's pretty cool. But, like, this is... I would see this is the time where you really are experimenting and, like, finding... Yeah, finding your feet and... Which I don't think will ever stop, though, right? I mean, as you grow as a human or as your life 
change your art will change surely totally and I don't think I will ever achieve what I want to achieve <laughs> but I think I can't remember who said it tough crowd <laughs> there's something there's a saying that's like the the artist actually achieving what they want to achieve is kind of what ruins them mm. yeah because then what have you got to work for yeah because it's a it's a it's a little bit like the practice of yoga it's a practice mm. there's no end goal it's exactly exactly evolving and i kind of don't want to ever retire i mean i don't think i ever will I don't think any of us will ever afford to. Yeah, <laughs> true. true. We're like the generation they're going to be working yeah. until we're 80. Yeah. Obviously, your job is a passion and mm-hmm. something that people would maybe do to, um, as a hobby, as a way to reduce anxiety, stress, unwind. unwind. Mm-hmm. How do you use... First question, do you use it as a way to unwind? Is it still a way to unwind or does it feel like a job? And then... Definitely not a way to unwind. Right. That's one thing. I think once your passion is your job, yeah. you can't ever really go back to a passion unless yeah. I wasn't able to carry on being an artist and I got a proper job. This is something that Sarah and I yeah. were discussing about yoga because we were like, really? yoga for That's both so of sad. us used to be something that was very relaxing and like mm. our way, it was very therapeutic. It was our way to disconnect. And as soon as something like that becomes your lifeline and what helps you to pay your rent or whatever, mm. it changes its role in your life mm. and we wondered what that was like for you with art whether it was still therapeutic to you or if it was now a kind of more serious more potentially stress related thing mm. I don't know it is definitely now what caused me most stress you know I think I feel a real pressure to always be producing Instagram is amazing for artists because you're no longer alone, you can share your time and people see how much hard work goes in. But there's also a real pressure to be creating something to sell all the time. And that's just not how creativity works. So that can really get me down. Like, all I want, you know, I have to do this. I know I have to do this and this and this for this exhibition or whatever. But I feel like it's getting blood from a stone and I really need to, you know go back and actually get inspired and I think that's a much more realistic approach so whenever I feel that way I'll go to exhibitions um when I get like lost in the moment painting then that is really relaxing it's not relaxing yeah it's kind of you know almost like go into a trance yeah time doesn't exist exactly but no it's definitely not my thing to do to relax now in in that case what what do you do to sort of unwind from work and and reduce anxiety, stress? So, well, that's how I met Serena. I was going to say yoga. Um, <laughs> yoga has, like, completely changed my life. Yay! I love it. I'm a very naturally anxious person. And, yeah, I just love yoga so much. But I now also, I think I need to exercise about, four or five times a week really to keep my mental health in check Mm -hmm. exercise for me is my main my main way of coping with it meditation as well but I can I go and kind of yeah at the moment I haven't been that good at meditating no I feel like I I mean I'm I don't meditate every day and I do feel like it comes in waves Mm. of me too I'll do six months of doing it daily and then six months where I don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of all or nothing for me. Yeah, yeah. same. Well, the meditation course I did is two sessions a day for 20 minutes. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's a lot. But now I just thought, you know, that's not, that's not compulsory. So my routine when I get to the studio is hopefully, my ideal day is like going to a yoga class or an exercise class in the morning, going to the studio, doing meditation, then have a big black coffee and then kind of just start tackling the day like emails or start doing work that I need to do but that I haven't completely worked that out I think I, I usually write a big to-do list of things to do the whole week but often they're such big tasks like matches fashion vases and that takes like Which a month you forever yeah it takes like a month or two months so and there's no there's no kind of sense of achievement at the end of the day mm. because I can't tick it off. Yeah. But I think 
now I need to start creating a timetable and just having two hours in the morning work on matches fashion vases then I can tick that off yeah whereas just they're, yeah they're quite unachievable yeah. often one hour emails I actually mm. for some reason in my head you your your day would just be sitting in a studio painting non-stop I didn't even think about how much admin you've probably got to do as well. Of course you do, because that's yeah. it's your job, it's your career. In my head, I was like, gosh, being an artist must be so, so dreamy. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Painting all day long. But Well, I actually... I Yeah, emails do take up quite a big amount of time, but I now do quite a lot of work with a company called Partnership Editions. And so they now take quite a lot of the emails of the admin. me, which is really great. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah, they're brilliant. They're really brilliant. So you mentioned your yoga as a way that you unwind mm. if you're no longer using art as that kind of relaxation tool. Mm. What else do you like to do? Cooking. I love yeah? cooking. Yeah. That's I know that because we talked about it so much. <laughs> yeah. Talking about roasted cabbage and things. Oh my God. Yeah. Oddbox. Oddbox. Love yeah. your oddbox. Oddbox are amazing. Do you cook every night, would you say? Recently, I've had lots of plans on, but I think that's kind of summer gone a bit mm-hmm. mad. But yes, I do probably cook every night. Sometimes my boyfriend will cook, sometimes my flatmate will cook. Nice. But I tend to be the main cook, yeah. I just love it. I mean, it's not like I do anything super complicated, but I think my favourite time ever is when people are coming over for dinner and I'm just like making risotto and having a glass of wine yes time. heaven <gasps> yeah and the doorbell rings you're like oh, shit. you're like Damn. fuck off <laughs> yeah what's your favourite thing to cook if it's just you and Ned in for the night ooh I love making ramen mm. ooh yeah mm. lovely ramen's quite a good go to and he's happy with it being veggie yeah yeah totally actually nice. totally um, when I first went veggie he would I'd make like a Thai green curry or normal whatever another curry and he would kind of buy a chicken breast and <laughs> That's exactly what I used to have to do. I would cook any veggie food and just put prawns on top for bass. Really? And then... And he'd, like, stop. make a whole thing about cooking his chicken to put on top of the curry, whereas now he doesn't bother at all. Yeah. Sometimes nice. he'll go out and have a steak. We won. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've Nailed turned it. them. Exactly. Chicken is always the crappiest anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's chicken shit. It's chicken chicken breast. Yeah. Chicken's a vehicle for sauce. Chicken breasts are rubbish. doesn't taste of anything. I was a real chicken wing gal. Why are you? Real chicken wing gal, yeah. Classy. Do you find your artist life ever gets lonely or do you have like a bit of a community in your Brixton studio, well, in the block? It definitely does get lonely, but I think I have become a recluse. <laughs> so I've recently moved within my building. So I used to share a studio, which I loved because they... Would, they wouldn't necessarily be there all the time. Um, but when I shared with two other girls, whenever they were, I would have a great chat. And then now I'm by myself. I can't really ever imagine sharing. Um, but I've got a couple of friends in the building. I don't really find it that lonely, though, because I think I'm there to work, and mm. it's my working space. I'm just going to say maybe more productive mm. being on your own. I procrastinate so much already. I don't really need to, like... Going for coffees with people, you know. What do you like yeah. to do when you're procrastinating? Oh, I'm really bad on my phone. Instagram? Mm, really bad. What kind of people are you? Artists or like lifestyle people or yoga people or food people? Um, I would say... I would say I just get lost in stories, but I would say mm. mainly food yeah. and art. Mainly food and art. Okay, so for Sarah and I, who aren't big on what's going on in the art world, who are the three top arty people for us to follow? Ooh, so I'd definitely say follow Partnership Editions, mm-hmm, who, okay. so they, their whole thing is to create a platform to find emerging artists. Mm. Because if you go on Artsy or something like that, there are, I mean, hundreds of thousands of artists on there. You can't find anyone new. Um, but Partnership Editions, they all have this kind of, similar aesthetic there are I think under 20 artists and you can just scroll through and it's quite easy and yeah loads of really talented artists um who else other two oh the great woman artists the who the great woman artists okay so it's a girl called Katie Hessel who's fab so she started this 
um, Instagram account when she went to an art fair in London and there were no female artists whatsoever. Shocker. And she was about... So she's now about 24, 25. And at the time she was, I think, 19. And she thought, I'm going to start this Instagram account called The Great Woman Artist based on an essay written by Linda Nochlin, which is which is why are there no great women artists. Um, and she posts every single day a new female artist. Wow. wow. She's amazing. And she works with Victoria Miro. I'm going to uh, a um, tour that she's doing of the Tate next weekend. Oh, brilliant. And she she's started like, this so brilliant. When she does 19? Yeah, Instagram. I think so. And yes. she lectures at Christie's and... I mean, she's incredible. Wow. Yeah. And my third one, who would my third one be? I love Luke Edward Hall, but I feel like that's probably a... Most people probably follow him anyway. I don't. No, not us. No, no, no. Tell us about Luke Edward Hall. Um, So Luke Edward Hall, you probably recognise his work. He's done... I mean, he's everywhere, really. He's... He draws quite kind of classical meets Matisse, I'd say. And he does painted pottery... And he's designed a Berry Brothers wine label. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. Well, you'll have to bring a thing of Yeah. Mm. Um, and Venetia, do you think, do you think, because I feel like art is the new plants of our generation. <laughs> I feel like people Love want plants. art in their house. Plants is like, yeah, everyone's got plants now, but mm. I mean, I, I know I go to people's houses. And I walk into Serena's door and I say, is that Venetia Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I think people are becoming so much more conscious about what they're buying. Yeah. And if you can, especially as, you know, the, the light has been shining on the whole fast fashion world, mm. to be able to buy a piece of artwork, which is something like Punch of Editions is so great at selling artwork. Most of it's under sort of 500 quid. I was about to say that's a good, and, a good thing to ask about affordable yeah. art, the Partnerships Editions is... Yeah, that's their whole... The whole starting thing of it was under a £1,000. Mm-hmm. But most of the work on paper is under 400 quid. So it's really affordable. Um, yeah, it's just... If you're wanting to decorate your home and you don't want to buy... An Ikea picture of a sunset. Oh, my God, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or do you have them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I think people are so house-proud now. Mm, yeah. I spend so much money on, like, bowls. Yes. Well, I <laughs> and, just like, candles and vases. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And because people want to naturally share more, people mm. sharing more of their house in yeah. and interiors, so then there's more art being shared via that I guess exactly yeah yeah and I think people are just yeah thinking more about what they're buying and what would they'll actually have that has longevity mm, yeah art for life mm. art for life okay so as always we've asked Venetia for a healthy habit something that gives her purpose helps keep her balance something that we can try for a week Venetia what have you asked us to do I have asked you to do a 10-minute, or more if you want, drawing at some point every day. Yes, you have. And have you done any? Um, I actually, so I was away, I feel like I'm making excuses to a teacher. <laughs> I was away, I and I was very busy. I started this morning, because um, yeah, I've been in Somerset this weekend and been in bridesmaid mode, but I started this morning, and I actually felt like quite a lot of, pressure I've actually I've never been someone who's good at being told yeah what to do even though you weren't didn't have a knife to my throat or anything um (laughs) but I didn't know what to draw and I just sort of doodled which was really lovely and it made me feel really calm because it was a little bit like journaling Mm. and anything that came out just came out um and I have been through phases Previously, like last winter, I was telling three years earlier, I went through a real phase of just painting things. I'm not an artist at all, but I got loads of canvases from Tiger. It's probably like the worst thing. And that's so nice. um, Yeah, just paint loads of random things. And then every sort of couple of days, I'd put new things around the house. And my boyfriend's sister, who's living with us at the time, was like, oh, that's new. 
when did you do that one? I was like, oh, I just did it last night. It just, <laughs> just came out of me. 3 a.m. Yeah. But I found it so lovely to do in winter when it was, yeah. like, not much going on and just a way to sort of unwind in the evening rather than watching rubbish TV or... Yeah, it just... It was, it was really lovely. So I started this morning and I didn't feel as I don't know why maybe it's because I had a busy day ahead and I was just sort of like erratic brain but we've both said we're going to continue doing it for the rest of the week um so one so sorry I should have been more I should have said um to draw anything like some flowers so something that's actually there draw something yeah no draw something that's actually there that beautiful plant oh, there. See, not just something that comes behind the food waste uh, bin. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. I mean, you can if you want to just doodle, but it's quite nice to be able to draw from something yeah, and put your phone in another room mm. and 10 minutes is not a very long time. No. Another way of really getting lost in it is life drawing. Yes. If you have any way you can I went draw. to... Um, or any f- naked bodies to look at. Oh, yeah. Strip yeah. That's it. <laughs> I went to... So, my, no, my friend does these evenings called Charcoal Club. Oh, cool. In, um, where is it? Just off Mare Street in Hackney. And they, she's a food stylist and puts on these beautiful dinners. So it's a supper club mm. with life shoring and you go and there's a, a model and you do, do the tooth of life drawing and then pause, have dinner, just very sort of relaxed on your lap, delicious food, and then you carry on life drawing. And... I think it, the evening's about three hours and it felt about 20 minutes, the whole thing. Really? You just get so lost in it. And I came back with all these all these drawings and I was like, wow, yeah. a great day at school. It was lovely and such a lovely thing to do. Lo- great way to spend an evening with friends. It's sociable but also quite personal. So I just, I thought that was That's fantastic, yeah. Other really place, good places to draw are in cafes or on the tube. Like on the tube. So everyone, not a bit everyone, is looking, everyone looks at their phone. I promise you, they won't notice. I've seen a couple of people draw people yeah. on the tube, and I've people been just watching stare at their the phones yeah. the entire time. Funny, and they probably you get people with with double chins yeah. or sleeping people's great. Obviously, or, yeah, yeah, I bet. I've been a bit naughty. I haven't done it because how it's good how reason. It's August. I mean, no, I was on. I feel re- like everyone's kind of last week, so I was like up at six a.m. to make breakfast and things. So I haven't done it, but I am going to start tomorrow. And I'm really excited about it. I think that it's in the way that a lot of people now use those adult colouring books mm. as a form mm. of mindfulness and a mm. form of um, zoning out. I think it'll be really nice. Mm. I think I worry, though. I think I like things to be done properly and I'll be like, well, I don't have a proper pencil and I don't yeah. have a sketch pad and... <laughs> And in my head, it won't do to use a pad of paper and a biro. Yeah. But is is it better to be doing that than nothing? Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I always think that, as I was saying, I, I find there's pressure to create something to sell. It's always nice to have things you can throw away and just, mm-hmm. it's not for anyone. It's just yeah. for yourself. And so in life drawing, you know, often you end up throwing away loads of stuff because yeah. it's rubbish. Well, like, but I'm completely like that as well. Someone the other day said, was encouraging me to start writing a diary. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, just do one sentence every day and then build it up. And I've just been waiting to get the perfect diary. And I'm like, well, I've got to wait till 2020. Yes. I've got to wait till 2020 <laughs> now. I've got to start on the 1st of January, yeah. otherwise it's not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm the same. Well, this week I'm going to be sending you pictures every morning. Of yeah. Do a self- self-portrait as well is a great one. Is there anything you would like, anything else you'd love to share with us or listeners? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm planning an exhibition for next spring. Oh, yes, spring. exciting. So when is that? Um, so it's very early days, but probably next April in London. That's all I know so far. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So lovely chatting. Thanks for my delicious dinner as well. Oh, Not at all. Well, thanks for the ingredients that you chose because they were good ones. Yeah, they were great. We're going to be sending you arty pics all week to show off our skills. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone else should do the same. Ten minutes of drawing every day. See how you feel. And yeah, also, exactly. Tanisha, what is your Instagram and things for anybody who wants to have a little bit of a look at your art? So my Instagram is just at Venetia Berry. 
Great. Um, and website is Venetia Website, venetiaberry.com. All very Check easy. it out. Venetia's yeah. artwork is fab. Yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Venetia. Thank you. I think this word is a little bit underused these days, but I think she's so cool. I love her. Her art is so awesome and she's so laid back about everything and she's a total babe. I think when I grow up, I want to be Venetia Berry. Apart from you're older than her. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. I've got one of her paintings next door and I'm totally obsessed with it. I get so many comments about it and it's awesome. So if you haven't seen her amazing art, make sure to check Venetia out on Instagram. Yes. Thank you so much, Venetia, for coming on Kitchen Club. We hope you all enjoyed listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe if you did enjoy it. We'll pop our details and Venetia's details in our show notes below. So if you want to find out more, have a little read and make sure you're following us on at Kitchen Club Podcast on Instagram for the delicious recipe we cooked for Venetia. Have a gorgeous rest of your day and we'll see you soon. Thanks everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.